Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, good morning and welcome to part three of a series that we've entitled Having a Life You Love. Anybody want to have a life they love in 2017? Four people, honestly. Well, I'm going to hang out with you then because some people want to settle for a crummy life, but that's not me. Let me ask one more time for those of you that were so amazed by that football scenario that we showed on the TV. How many of you want to have a life that you love in 2017? Amen. And, and we believe that it's possible. If you have your Bible, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. And this is where we've been, and we're going to spend another Sunday next week talking about having a life you love. And this morning, I want to talk about having a divine empowerment that God will give us to have a life that you love. You say, Pastor Phil, where do you find this having a life you love? I find it two places in the scripture, and I'm going to show you this morning. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion, one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but counterwise blessing. Would somebody say that with me? Say blessing. blessing. Knowing that you hereunto are called, that you should inherit. Would you say that word again? Blessing. blessing. And here in verse 10, listen to what Peter says. Peter says, for he that will have a life or he that will love life and see good days. Did you forget your part right there? All right, here we go. We're going to go back again now. I'm going to read this. I'm going to cue you. I'm going to say, for he that will love life and see good days, you're going to say, that's me. All right, here we go. Ready? Let's try it again. For he that will love life and see good days, that's me. Let him refrain his tongue from evil. Let and his lips from, uh, they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Do you know that when you study the Bible, um, I would just really encourage you when you look at the Bible, let the Holy Spirit lead you as you go into the Bible because this, the Bible is so rich. Do you know that David asked this same question that Peter is talking about? You know, if you ever read in Psalms chapter 34, verse 12, David, King David says this. He says, whoever of you loves life and desires to see good days. And do you know he starts talking about the same thing that Peter talks about. Do you know what I find amazing is that we can come to church and just kind of think that, oh, this is, this is good stuff, Pastor Phil. This is good positive stuff, but it really doesn't work. Well, can I just be honest with you? I'd love for you to sit down at Starbucks with King David because King David asked this question. He said, whoever of you loves life and desires to see good days, David wanted to see good days. And we know that he did see good days. Now he had some mess ups in his life, but he turned around and look at first Chronicles 29, 28. You can just jot this down talking about David's death. It says, and he died in a good old age, full of days. You know, one translation says that he died enjoying his long life. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I want to live a long life, but I want to live a long life that I enjoy. I don't want to live a long life that I hate. 
well, you know, I'm 65 and I hate my life. No, no, no. You know what? My grandmother is 90 years old and she's still praying for us. She's still a little whippersnapper. Come on, somebody. Walking around, talking on the phone. And I believe, like King David, that we can have a long life that we enjoy, a life full of good days, full of good days. Now, for many of you maybe that haven't been uh, to the whole series, let me just remind us for a moment. Peter in 1 Peter is addressing some Christians who, who they're struggling because of their faith in terms of they're being persecuted. They're being persecuted. Let me say it this way. They're being persecuted for their faith. So they're seeing evil all around them. They're living in a hostile time. And yet Peter speaks to them and says, you know, you can have a life you love and see good days. And I would just encourage you, if you haven't been here, go to passionlifechurch.com, go to the media section. You can download part one and part two. It's been a great blessing for, for many people. And what Peter's about to do is Peter gives us six principles for us to cooperate and with this blessing that God has given us, that if we'll do these six things, we can have a life we love. And we went through two last week. He says here, this is what he says. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. That's number one. Refrain his tongue from evil. We found out last week that refraining our tongue from evil means, or speaking evil, means that we are speaking contrary to what God says. When you are speaking evil, you are speaking contrary to what God says. God says all things are possible, but you say, no, it's not. The Bible calls that speaking evil. You know, the Bible, call, God says, you know what? You can do it. You are well able. And we look back at God and we say, no, we're not well able. That is the context of speaking evil. And we gave you some examples of that in our lives, how Joshua won the battle of Jericho by a shout. In other words, with his words, the power of his words, they opened up and shouted and walls came down. And that tells us that Battles in our lives can be won with our words. We talked about winning with our words. You know, marriages get destroyed because of words. Words speak no evil. But you know what? Well, Pastor Phil, what am I supposed to say? You know, it's pretty simple. Just say what God says about your life. You don't have to come up with something new. Just say what he says. But number one, refrain the tongue from evil. And then he says, number two, speak no guile. We talked about last week how guile is baiting people with your words, setting people up with your words. But we also said this, we need to be aware there are people in our lives who are going to bait us to speak evil. And we said last week, don't take the bait. Touch your neighbor just real quick and say, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Why? Why shouldn't I take the bait? Because you know what's at stake? Having a life you love and seeing good days. Let's look at two more today out of the six. Peter says, for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from that they speak no guile. And look, here comes the next one. Let him eschew evil and do good. So here's number three, avoid evil. Now the King James version says, eschew evil. 
I don't use that word eschew. Did anybody use the word eschew lately in the last week? We don't use those kind of words, right? But that's the King James Version. But what I like to do is I look to look at the literal text in the New Testament. The New Testament was written in Greek. And so I'm not a Greek scholar. I just look in Strong's Concordance. You can do it. You can look into a, a Greek English dictionary. The word eschew means this, to avoid, to turn aside. Now watch. Peter is going to tell us that we need to be aware of evil. Yes, in our own lives, but listen, but also that there are people who want to do evil to us. And this word avoid, it comes with this connotation. You need to avoid people who cause offenses. You need to avoid people, listen, who cause you to stumble. I don't know the guy's name, but I was watching a little bit of Sports Center, but there's a college guy, and uh, he's gotten uh, reprimanded. He plays uh, college basketball because he trips people. Even when he falls, something happened, he fell, but he tried to trip the guy that, that bumped into him, and they, had him, and they made him sit out. And I thought about how many people in our lives throughout this year that could come into our lives, and really their goal is to try to trip you up. And, and, and Peter's saying, look, if you're going to have a life you love, you need to be aware of this. So what does evil mean in the, in the literal text? You know, literal, in the literal text, evil means this, of a bad nature, wrong, wicked, listen to these words, troublesome, injurious, and destructive. Now, when Peter's talking about evil here, he's not talking about a person that just messes up. You mess up. Remember we talked about David, David messed up, but he turned his life around and he ended up having a life that he loved full of days. So he's not talking about, you know, oh, you messed up. Oh, you're evil. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about people that have an evil nature, that they have allowed their heart to become evil. And this is really about how we respond to the evil that's around us. Remember, they're looking and they're seeing all this evil around them. They're being persecuted. But how does one become evil? Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 24 shows us this little progress of how things happen and how a person can become evil. It says this, but they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsel and the stubbornness of their evil hearts and went backward, not forward. I don't know about you, but in 2017, I don't want to go backward. I want to go forward. I want to move forward, but look at the progress because this is going to help us. He says the person who eventually becomes evil in the heart, the first thing they do is they don't want to hear God's word. They don't want to hear any instruction. They don't want to do God's word. And when they don't want to do God's word and not listen, their hearts become stubborn. Anybody know any stubborn people? Please don't point to the person next to you. How do you become stubborn? See, our theme this year has been higher. As we're going in 2017, higher. We're going to lift you higher, right? God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. But I will tell you this. If you don't do and you don't listen to his thoughts and his ways and you decide to do your own thing, you're not going to have a life that you love. You're going to have a life that's full of messes and disappointments. And I got to tell you, your heart will get stubborn. But in reality, it was because you didn't do what God had asked you to do. 
And he says this, he says they started, right, by not doing what God had asked them, not even wanting to listen to God. They did what they wanted and their hearts were stubborn because of evil. And here's eventually what happens. They start moving backward, not forward. That's an indication to me that if I'll do what God has asked me to do, my life will move forward. Come on, somebody. My life will move forward. I want to move forward. But he's also making us aware that there are people that don't want to move forward. There are people that are stubborn. There are people that want to stay where they are at. And he's telling us, be aware of them, because if they want to go back, you're going to have to make a decision. Do you want to go back with them or do you want to move forward? Oh, Pastor Phil, you know, we're we're supposed to love people. And, you know, we're not supposed to judge people. Listen, I'm not talking about judging people. I am telling you that Peter said you need to be aware that there are people who indeed are stubborn and want to make sure that you don't have a life that you love and don't be like them. And he's saying this, you need to avoid these types of evil people. And here's the context, people who are injurious, people who are literally out to hurt other people. Now, let's be honest. All of us in our lives have hurt other people. Sometimes not intentionally, sometimes just been accidental. But he's talking about a person here that that is their intent. He's talking about people here that are troublesome, constantly trouble some. It's a pattern in their life. He's talking about people who are destructive, destructive. And then it's in the Greek. He talks about people who are miserable. Now I have tried to help people who are miserable. I have loved on people who are miserable, but I'm going to tell you, it is the hardest thing as a pastor to want to see someone change that doesn't want to change. I'm just going to be honest. And the only thing I can do is pray for you. But that's why I said in the beginning, you're going to have to decide if you want a life you love because there are people and you may know them. And even as I'm talking, you may have people's names coming to your head. But there are people who don't want to have a life they love. They want to be miserable. Why would anybody want to be miserable? I can tell you one reason why. Because they like the attention. They like the attention of it. Now, all of us maybe have had times of misery in our lives, but I'm talking about a person who the Bible says they are miserable and that's what they want. Listen to this caution in Proverbs chapter four, verse 16. The Bible says there are actually people for they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone else stumble. Wow, Phil, that's me. No, it's in the Bible. There are actually people. And can I just tell you this morning, those people can have a life they love too if they choose to believe what God says. They can be saved. They, God can change their life. But you know what? God has done everything and sent his son for people. But at the end of the day, it's your decision whether you're going to be miserable or not. It's their decision where they're going to say, I want to have a life I love, or you know what? I'm just going to be a part of, of what's going on. And I'm just going to allow my heart to be filled with evil. And could it be that since you have decided that you're going to have a life you love, that people don't want to see you have it? Is that even a possibility? Absolutely. So they're miserable, but they can have a life that they love too. 
But here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Say, Pastor Phil, why should I avoid it? Listen to this scripture. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You know, I did youth ministry for 20 years of my life. And we would go to an amazing camp where kids would be so touched by God. So touched. I mean, they'd come down to the altar, snot bubbles. I mean, they were just like... I mean, they just were touched by God. We'd go back home, and this was the warning we always said to them. Be careful who you hang out with. Because that experience that you just had, there are going to be people that are going to be around you that it's way easier for them to pull you down than you to pull them up. And you've got to have a discernment in your heart that there are some people that do not want to see Jesus work in their life. Do you know when you look at Jesus, there was a time where he was talking to people about encouraging them in their life and he was telling them purpose and, and encouraging them like I am. And you know what? They, they took Jesus to a cliff and they wanted to push him off the cliff. And the Bible says he just walked right through them. Isn't it sad that Jesus had to walk away because people wouldn't receive him? And he loves his love is unconditional. But what I'm saying, I'm trying to make us aware today that who you hang out with this, this year at work and who you talk with, if there's people talking evil constantly, being negative about the job, it's going to get on you. And what you have to do is you have to remove yourself from that because some people, no matter what, no matter how, what's going on, life could be great. They're always down. Pray for them, love them, invite them to church. But there's times you're going to have to remove yourself from that because evil company corrupts good habits. Am I preaching good this morning? And you know what I found out? It's not just about youth. It's about people. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're trying to get over something and get past something this year, you can't hang out with people who used to do what you did. Cause you're not going to, I had, it's funny. I would talk to people that are like, well, you know, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to not smoke this year. Uh, but every, they still hang out with all their friends who smoke and they're there trying not to smoke. And their friends like <laughs> blowing it in their face and like, I can do it. No, remove yourself. God loves those people. He'll take care of those people. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, in 2017, I'm trying to drink less. Well, you know what? Then you got to stop hanging out at the bar. And if all your friends are coming over and every time you get together, just have a little shot, little shot, little shot, little shot. That little shot turns into big shots. And guess what? You're going to have to make a decision to remove yourself from those because it will corrupt your good manners. And here's what's at stake. I'm trying to tell you, love, you won't have a life you love. You won't have a life you love. That's what's at stake. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, I hear what you're saying, but I thought as a Christian, I'm just supposed to be a welcome mat for people to step on. Man, I, in 20 years of ministry, you know how many times I heard that? Well, I'm just supposed to, I'm to, man, I should start a business, a welcome mat business with your face on the front of your house so when people come, they can just step on it. And oh, that's our sacrifice. That's what we do. No, listen, we love people. We try to reach people. But you're going to have to understand that sometimes loving people means you need to remove yourself from the situation and love them from a distance because it's better for you and it's better for them. You can still love them. You can still love them. 
And that's what really the Bible's talking about when it says, bless your enemies, love your enemies. It means pray for that God will intervene in their life. And listen, because somebody's your enemy and somebody's being evil, it doesn't mean that you have to go to lunch with them and you have to do all these. No, it just means you have to bless them and say, God, please intervene in their life. Because honestly, that's really what they need. They need a divine intervention from God. One thing I've learned as a pastor, if a person is not going to let God change them, why do I think they're going to let me change them? I'm not here to change anybody. I'm here to pray for you and to be an inspiration to you. We're called to love people, but you do not have to be subjected to their destructive behavior. You don't have to be. And I say that today to set us free because a lot of us feel guilty about it. We get in guilt about it. Listen, just pray for people. And I don't know who that is this morning that I'm, I'm speaking to, but I got to tell you this week, this was on my heart all week, but you need to know it's okay to take a step back and say, man, I just, I, I just not doing that anymore. I'll hang with you, but we're not going to hang doing that anymore because having a life you love is at stake. So he says, listen, avoid evil on any cost, avoid evil. And you say, pastor Phil at work, it's hard because there's so much around me. Well, guard your heart. Guard your heart, because out of that flows all of the issues of your life. And if people are speaking evil around you, don't let that get in you. Remember, we said we can't control what happens to me, but we can't control what happens in me. Don't let it get in you, because then you're going to get stubborn, and you're going to go backward, not forward. So he says, avoid evil. Here's number four. Then he says, do good. My church family you can do good. I want to say that. I say that because before I came to know the Lord, I thought doing good was impossible. And doing good without the Lord is impossible. But doing good, you can do good with God in your life. That's why I called today a divine empowerment because Peter doesn't just say, hey, listen, avoid evil, do good. This is what he says. You can do good because you're blessed. You are called to blessing. When Jesus comes into your life, there is a blessing that comes in your life. There's an empowerment to do good. You are called to do good. And God will empower you. There's nothing that God will ever ask you to do that he won't empower you to do. I want to tell you this morning, God empowers me to live the Christian life. Don't try to live the Christian life without Christ. Then it just becomes religion. I'm just going through the, the motions. No, receive his life. Let his life come in you. And you know what? You will do good. And God gives us the power. Let me say it this way. The blessing to empower you to do good. Now, it's still our choice but all the power is there. All the power is there for you, but you're going to have to choose. Will I do good? One of the things that I have realized growing up, probably in my mid twenties, I realized one thing that overpowers evil. The thing that overpowers evil is doing good. When I do good, I'm overpowering evil. Now in my walk with Christ, and I, again, in my 20s, I didn't know what I knew now, and, but I knew one thing. If I'm going to be busy, 
if I'm going to get idle and start to think about things, I could go really easy into the thought pattern and actions of doing evil. So here's what I thought. If I could just get to church, if I could just get involved with the people at church, if I could just start doing good, I won't be doing evil. So I, I, I really, I just took my time and I said, you know what? I started, I'm going to serve at church. Okay. I got to be there early on Sunday. So that means I can't go out partying on Saturday because I created in myself a point of accountability that said, you know what? I'm going to start doing good. And you know what happened when I started doing good? I did less evil. But some of us, we become idle. Do you know in 20 years of youth ministry, some of the worst things that teenagers did, um, and you would ask them, why would you do that? And you know their answer? I was bored. I was idle. Listen, if you will throw yourself into doing good, you will find you have a lot less time to do evil. Come on, I'm preaching better than your amen in this morning. I got involved in everything that I could. I went to small, I went and served on the team and I found out, man, I was tired, but I was tired of, because I was doing good. And you know what I have found? The Bible says in Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, some of us have too much time on our hands. That's why we're getting in trouble. Oh, I don't have time to do that for church. You got time. I just want to know where you're spending that time and you have a choice. And here's what Peter's going to tell us. Peter's going to help us. I, I'm praying that this blesses you. He says in first Peter three, eight, he says, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one for another. Love as brothers, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but counterwise blessing. This is a whole new way of living, living a life that is full of, of blessing. And you can do good because you are blessed to do good. And this life of blessing is so contrary to the world. Good is so contrary to evil. It's so, see, I think people, <laughs> when they think about darkness, listen, the darkness is not the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. And you are the light in a dark, dark world. And now what Peter's going to do is he's going to start to tell us what doing good is. And here's what he says. Number one, have compassion. Have compassion. Compassion in the Greek text means a sympathy that moves you to action. It's a sympathy that actually causes empathy in your life. Can I just give you a, a, an illustration? Sympathy without empathy. Sympathy would be this. I see that guy over there. Wow, it's cold outside. He doesn't have a coat. Oh, so bad. Too sad. Oh, well. That's sympathy. But compassion actually says, I see that guy. He doesn't have a coat on. Here's my coat. It moves you to action. That's doing good. The Bible says that as we do good, people will see our actions and glorify heaven. I love to say this all the time. Our good works don't get us to heaven, but your good works may help somebody else get there. Your good works may help somebody else get there. And so doing good means, Hey, I'm sympathetic towards other people. 
You see a need. You put yourself in their shoes and you say, wow, man, I, I need to help that. That's what Jesus did. That was the motivation of Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verse 26. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? Compassion. Aren't you glad we have a God who is moved by compassion towards you and towards me? We have a God that has moved with compassion, it says for them, because they are weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Having no shepherd. Can I encourage you today? Don't let the evil in the world stop your compassion because that evil world, what they need is compassion. You can pray for people. You can help people. You can do good. He says, have compassion. I really believe that is the motivation for all of the miracles that Jesus did because he loved people. Faith works by our love. My church family, when there is love flowing, miracles can flow. And I want to tell you, come, please come on Sunday, the, the 20, I think it's the 29th, because you're going to experience the miracle power of God. Why? Because he loves us. And if you'll believe that, that he has compassion, on you. That's the motivation. He heals people because he loves people. And then Peter says, be pitiful. Oh, Pastor Phil, I really relate with that one because my life is pitiful. That's not what he's talking about. In the literal language, it means be tenderhearted. Listen to this, having a heart of mercy or having a heart for mercy. Peter is saying to these persecuted Christians, look, I know you see evil. Don't let it get in you. Because if it does, it's going to stop your compassion. It's going to stop you being merciful. And you know who you are? You're a blessed people. You are blessed to do good. It's going to stop you from being who you should be in God. He says, be tenderhearted. Have a heart for mercy. And I'm going to be honest with you. Many Christians don't have a heart for mercy. Many Christians that I meet have a heart for judgment. And they think doing good is pointing out sin in other people's lives. Who are you to do that? When we become Christians, we're supposed to have compassion. Oh, I just like to speak the truth. Well, the Bible says when I speak the truth, I'm supposed to do it in love. In love. So I'm supposed to be tenderhearted, having mercy. Can I just tell you this? I don't, if you come to Passion Life Church, I'm just not a condemner. I'm just not, I'm not going to sit here and condemn you. You know why? You already know. You are very aware with what's going wrong in your life. Can I just tell you the Holy Spirit's already working. I will tell you what will hurt you, but at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you who you can be and who you are in Jesus Christ. And in the midst of that, that's what Peter's saying. You are blessed. You are blessed people. Be pitiful. Then he says this, be courteous. All right, are you ready? Because this is real deep. This is the deepest one. Courteous in the Greek means be kind and be friendly. Whew. Oh, God, may we have a revival of friendly Christians. Whew. Man, that'd be powerful. So I wrote down, because in my years of ministry, I wrote down some practical ways that we could be kind and we could be friendly. Ready? Number one, become genuinely interested in other people. 
I, I know it's tough. That's tough today in today's world because it's all about me and how am I going to get mine? Right? Here's one. Ask people how they're doing. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how are you doing? You know, the other day, I don't know, for some reason, it just seems like the grocery stores are packed. And I was at Target the other day and it was packed. And the lady you could tell was flustered. And I just looked at her and said, so how are you doing with all this? And she looked at me and her smile, like, wow, somebody actually cares about me. I said, yeah, I care about you. I'm so excited about coming to Target. I almost wore a red polo myself. I'll come in and help you out. That's the thing. Don't ever wear a red polo to Target unless you want people to walk up to you and ask you, uh, sir, do you know where the, you know, I mean, I've, I've done that. I made that. You wear a red polo and khakis to Target, you are working. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Asking, hey, how, how are you? Okay, here's, here's another one. This is real deep. Just talking about how to be friendly, how, how to be kind. Smile. Smile. And here, here's another one. I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Not just to people that you know and like. Smile. Oh, can you try it? Because some of you look like you're going to kill me. Come on. Just, just let me, I know maybe you didn't brush. You used the whitening. Just, just, just smile. Do you know it doesn't cost you anything to smile? Well, I can't smile. That's too hard. Well, just try it with one side of your face. I'm trying, Pastor. Good, good. God will, God will help you. God, God will do it. Man, I, Pastor Phil, I would really love to see someone smile. Smile and look in the mirror. Smile. And P Peter's saying, in this world where everybody's down and mad and, man, racial tensions are high, just smile. Smile. I may get in trouble for this, but I'm going to go for it anyway. You know, racial tensions are really high now. And you know what I do? Every time I see anybody, especially people of color, I always smile at them. Because I want them to know I love you. I love you. I don't care what anybody else, I don't care what you think of me. Listen, I'm Puerto Rican, Italian, and Polish. I'm tres leches on the inside. But let me just tell you this. It doesn't matter what, I'm going to love you. So I especially, Hispanic people, I, listen, I am Hispanic. I know a little, a little bit wider than, than some, but I smile at people. Because you know why? The, what's more important than all of that is that people experience the love of Christ. Smile. Come on, you can give him a good round of applause. Come on, just, just real quick, turn to your neighbor. Just give him a good smile, would you? Just give him a good smile. Give him a good smile. Here's another one. Is this too deep this morning? I'm taking a risk. Here's another way we can be kind and friendly. Remember that person's name. I'm sorry, sir, I've met you four times. What is your name? Do you know that that person's name to that person is the sweetest and most important sound in any language? Is their name. Here's another one. And this isn't just for the guys, this one. Ladies, be good listeners. When somebody's talking, be genuinely interested in what they're saying. Here's number five. Make someone else feel important today. Woo-hoo-hoo! Notice I didn't get any amens on that. Did you notice that? You notice that, Brian? Not one. I said, make somebody else feel important. Today. Oh, amen, Pastor Phil. That's great. No, it's like, well, who's going to make me feel important? Here's another one. 
Try to see things from another person's point of view. Be sympathetic to other people's ideas. One of the greatest ways, oh, you can tweet this and put this on your Facebook wall. One of the greatest ways you can help somebody and minister somebody to somebody is listening to them. Well, I gotta say my opinion. No, you be quiet for a moment and listen. That's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. Ooh, I'm preaching. Listen. Wives, I'm not going to look at anybody because I just don't want to. Li- listen to your husband. Pastor Phil, you don't talk that much. Well, maybe because he doesn't feel like nobody listens. So listen, even if, even if what he says is nonsense, just listen. Say, I love you, honey. But we can't tell our spouses, oh, I wish you'd talk more. Well, maybe he's trying, but you don't give him a shot. I know we don't say very profound things a lot. We tend to talk in our own, we got our own things. But listen, hey, ladies, we listen to you. And sometimes it's long, but we listen. So all I'm saying this morning, I'm going to back up here because I don't want to get somebody to throw their Bible at me. But listen to somebody else's point of view. Listen to somebody else's point. Be courteous. And here's kind of where we end today because really what Peter is describing, if I could give you the big picture, Peter is saying this, when Jesus comes into your life, you are blessed. And listen, the blessing breeds generosity to others. I know I wasn't real deep, but now I'm gonna get a little bit deeper because remember in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, he said, blessed are the merciful. We look back at that now because Jesus had already died. And here's what Jesus is really saying. When you are blessed, you are blessed with mercy so you can be merciful. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Listen, when the blessing comes to your life, you are blessed with peace. In other words, you are empowered to make peace. Why? Because God has blessed you. So if there's anyone in the room that can make peace, it is going to be you. Why? You are blessed with peace. I am empowered to be a peacemaker. Why? Because the blessing, it breeds generosity. Listen to what God told Abraham. If you don't know about Abraham, he is in the Old Testament. He's the grandfather of our faith. But God told Abraham regarding the blessing in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, it says this, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So here's what the blessing does. When the blessing comes into my life, it blesses me, but it blesses me so I can be a blessing to somebody else. Well, Pastor Phil, that's really good about Abraham. Well, the Bible says that you and I are seeds of Abraham. And listen to this in Galatians chapter three, verse 29 in the New Testament, it says, and if ye be Christ, in other words, how many of you in this room say, I belong to Christ. Jesus has come inside my heart. Let me see your hand. He says, if you, that's you, then say that with me. Say, that's me. And if ye be Christ, if you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to, look at those two words, the promise. 
So here's the question. What is the promise? The promise is the promise that God made to Abraham that he will bless Abraham and he will be a blessing. You are an heir to that promise. What promise? You are an heir to the promise of you are blessed. So you will be a blessing. So listen, this kindness, this compassionate, this being tender hearted comes with the blessing of God. Why? Because God has been merciful to you. God has been tender hearted to you. God has forgiven you. God has loved you. And all of that he gives to you. Why? Not just for you to be blessed, but so you can pass that on to somebody else. I will bless you so you can be a blessing. So this is why it's important today as we close. Why am I focused so much on the blessing? Because that is the divine empowerment that God has blessed you. Because if you don't read the scriptures this way, you're not going to understand. Let me give you an example. Matthew chapter five, verse 40. Jesus says this. Jesus said, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. What? What? Now here's what I've heard preached. God doesn't want you to have a shirt. God doesn't want you to have a coat because that is your good sacrifice to humanity. God wants you to be without so somebody else could have. Okay. Let's rewind this. How can I give you a shirt if I don't have one? How can I give you my coat if I don't have one. So here's the point. I can gladly give you my shirt and my coat because I'm blessed. I will not go without a shirt or a coat because I'm blessed because the shirt that I give you and the coat that I give you, God will gladly repay me. You know why? Because it's not about the shirt. It's not about the coat. It's about knowing that you are blessed, that I can be generous to you. Listen, I can bless you because God always blesses me. Now I know we've made the blessing. Listen, we've made the blessing about material things, but I'm going to blow your mind. You need to read Genesis 39. I love Joseph. When I get to heaven, I want to give Joseph a hug. I love his life. You want to talk about going through the ups and downs and having sibling rivalry. His brothers sold him into slavery, but listen to this as a slave, they sold Joseph into slavery. Let me give you a little history. The Ishmaelites were selling Joseph. Here comes Potiphar. He's an official in Pharaoh's army. Here's the history. To be sold as a slave, they lined up all of the slaves naked. They had no clothes on. There was Joseph naked in a line. The Bible says in verse two that Joseph was a successful man and the Lord was with him and he didn't have any clothes on. Read verse two. The Bible says that Potiphar saw Joseph, purchased Joseph because he saw Joseph had nothing but the presence of God in his life. You know what this tells me? The blessing has nothing to do with material things. Material things will come and go, but you know what the blessing is? The blessing is, is that God is in your life. What come may, may come, what may come this jacket, this car, this doesn't matter. You are blessed. And Joseph is standing there, has no clothes on. And Potiphar says, I want to buy that guy. The Bible says, please listen to this. He went to Potiphar's house. He's a slave. 
The Bible says three times in Genesis chapter 39 that the Lord was with Joseph and everything that he did prospered. Everything he put his hand to do prospered. And I'm gonna tell you the scenario. One, he was naked. He was a slave. The second one, he was a slave in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar said, the Lord is with him and elevated Joseph to to second in command. The Bible tells us that Potiphar didn't even have to worry about anything but what he ate because Joseph handled it. I love this, my church family. And the Bible says that Potiphar's house was blessed for Joseph's sake. Listen. So God blessed an ungodly man because Joseph was blessed. Listen, let me, let let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm just, that's why where you work and where you are, they're blessed to have you. And you need to know that you're, let me remind you, you're blessed. I don't like my job. You're blessed. And God can use you to bless that whole place. And Joseph was a slave and God, the Bible says he was a prosperous man as a slave. Why? Because he was blessed because circumstances don't determine your blessing. You may be in a bad circumstance. Life has ups and downs, but I want to remind you like Peter reminded them, you're blessed. You live in a different kingdom. And then the Bible says that Potiphar's wife, because Joseph was a handsome man, You know, I love the Bible. You should read it. It's better than Game of Thrones. Come on, somebody. (laughs) That every day Potiphar's wife would look at Joseph and want, the Bible says, to go to bed with him. Not to take a nap. Do I need to go further? I don't think I need to go further. (laughs) The Bible says day by day, she, day by day. And Joseph said to her, your husband has given me everything in this whole place but you. How could I? See, Joseph understood the blessing. He said, how would I compromise this for you? And she made up a story that Joseph raped her, and he, she, he, he ran. Joseph ran out. He avoided the situation. She grabbed his, his coat and told Potiphar, look at the man that you brought into this house. He tried to rape me. And Potiphar... Now, let me just say this. Before we think that Potiphar's wife was ugly, Egyptian women were known to be the most beautiful women in all of the land. So she was probably smoking hot. She was, I mean, and he's handsome. Come on, this sounds like a novella. And Joseph gets put in jail. Now I'm going to tell you why Potiphar didn't believe that she actually, he knew his wife was a liar because the penalty for adultery was death. And Potiphar did not kill Joseph. He put him in prison. And I'm saying this to encourage you. The Bible says again for the third time, Joseph was in prison and the Bible says he was a prosperous man and the Lord was with him in prison. Don't doubt the presence of God in the times of prison in your life. Because it's only a season, it's only a time, but you're still blessed. And the Bible says that the warden put Joseph in charge of all of the jail. He actually had the keys. And here's where I want to end today. You know, all that time in Joseph's life, despite circumstances, he could be generous to other people 
because he knew he was blessed. He could serve Potiphar as a slave because he knew he was blessed. He was in a prison and two of the guys from Pharaoh's uh, cabinet had dreams. And where do we find Joseph? We find Joseph serving them, interpreting their dreams. Why? Because Joseph knew he was blessed. See, here's the reality. You have a divine empowerment to be good because you have the blessing. You have the blessing. And I want to encourage you today, live like you're blessed. Well, you don't know my bank account. No, I don't. But I know the God who owns a, 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 a cattle on a thousand hills and your bank account has not reflected the blessing just yet. But I'm going to tell you, we need to cooperate with the blessing. That's why I believe people who are stingy, the reality of it is, is you honestly don't believe you're blessed. If you started to give like you were blessed, you would experience. Because, well, Pastor Phil, if I give this, who's going to take care of me? God will. If I give my shirt, God will take care of my shirt. If I give my jacket, God will take care of my jacket. If I give my watch, God will take care. God is not short on watches. God is not short on money. Come on, somebody. We do not serve a God who is in a down economy. We serve a God. And I wanted to encourage you today. You are blessed because the presence of God is in your life. And let's go from here today and let's live blessed life. Smile. It's not all about money or material. Smile. Be compassionate towards people. Why? Well, then who's going to love me? God will love you because you're blessed. Come on, somebody. Hey, listen, if I give, I'm going to be tired. God will give you the strength because you are blessed. Can we end with this today? Come on, say it loud. Say I. Come on, say it loud. I. Hey, we're filming. We're live on Facebook right now. Come on, say it again. I am blessed. One more time. I am blessed. Now let's give God a good round of applause for his word because we are. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 